Welcome to the Invisible Injuries Podcast, aimed at bettering the well-being and mental health of veterans, first responders, and their immediate support experiencing post-traumatic stress. By sharing the stories of the lived experiences of our peers, the support staff, and the clinicians, it's our aim to make sure we can have a meaningful connection with our audience and give them ideas for their own self-care plan. If you do like what you're hearing, subscribe to the channel and share it with your friends. Friends. Lastly, these stories may be a trigger for your post-traumatic stress. If your PTSD is triggered, we have links to support in the description. Or if it's immediate, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. You're listening to part two of Andy's chat with Aaron Kinyanez. For our audience, um, uh, uh, Q's mentioned uh, his his book, and I just want to be able we'll talk about that even more, but uh, shortly. But it's called Healing Through Service, and so when he mentions this book, it was just released uh, uh, late last year, late 2021, and he's done a, a you know a, a significant amount of work, which he's sharing with us now into the book, which is The Three Pillars. Uh, you were talking about doing some significant journaling, um, and, you know, and becoming self-aware and being self-aware that, you know, uh, 50% of the problem was you. You know, he's going, oh, shit. They're like, oh, well, if I'm 50% of the problem, I've got to change a little bit of what I'm doing, man. Like if I'm doing the same shit all the time, that's not going to change. I'm going to get the same outcome. But if I try and work towards that, uh, write down my feelings, you know, no one's going to see it. It's in the journal. You know, you can write it down. You could be in a car um, thinking that the walls are going to be caving in, but you could write them down. That gives you a bit of focus and clarity and, uh, around what's going on and then and then unpacking this. And I really like the, the three – that three camps, you know, uh, there's a song at the moment. Uh, it's a movie. It's a bit of a segue for this, but you know, there's a song, you know, we don't talk about Bruno. It's like, we don't talk about, <laughs> you know, we're going to stand in silence. We're not going to talk about I love, that. <laughs> I love that song, dude. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's not talk about that. But it's, it, everyone was thinking it really at the same right. time. And um, so once you address that and, and once you talk to your audience, in regards to that pillar, what's the reaction from your audience? You know, a lot of it, uh, it really depends on the audience, right? And so I can, as, as I, cause I do a lot of speaking events now and I talk to people and I can watch people's faces and I get two reactions, right? Like one <laughs> is total shock. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that somebody would experience this. And the other look I get is of uh, recognition, right? From people like, I can just see it in their eyes that, oh, this happens to them too. So those are the two main reactions I typically get. People who are just shocked, like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that my friend or family member who's experienced trauma and PTSD, uh, that this is how they feel, that this is what they're going through. So it's total shock for some people. And for other people, like I said, it's that recognition. I can see it in their eyes, like, okay, that they, that, that kind of like I'm reading their mail, right? Like (laughs) I'm talking about the exact things that they're dealing with. And it's just, um, those are kind of the two reactions I get from people, especially people in the faith community, Mm. because people in the church, they want to help. You know, especially yeah. pastors, they want to help. And I work a lot with pastors and ministry leaders to be able to um, utilize these things to help people in their congregation, right? And so a lot of times those guys are like, I had no idea that that's what people are going through. And then they start to recognize 
people in their congregation who are dealing with these things yeah. and why they're doing the things that they're doing. They may have an overreaction to something that's totally benign and they have no idea why this person just had this reaction. Yeah. But once I get done talking with them, they recognize that and now they have empathy and they have compassion on that person. And then it's more like, okay, this guy's not just being a jerk. He's actually struggling with trauma in that moment. Mm-hmm. So how can I best help him? Yeah. And I give them a few little skills and man, they're off and running and they're, they're so excited to be able to have a tool now that they can use to help these people that they care dearly about in their yeah. lives, you know? And, and with the, with the people who are struggling with trauma, uh, I started working just with veterans, but now I work with police, fire, first responders, and really just anybody now, because like I said, everybody experiences trauma. Yes. Um, Working with, with, with people, uh, encouraging them to be able to verbalize these things and talk about these things and share some of these things in their life. And so I, I, I go back to everything. I kind of go back to my military training, right? And I, I take these things that we learned in the military and I repurpose these battle tactics mm. to be able to use on this new battlefield, the battlefield yes. of the mind. Yes. And so I, I talk to people. And so if you're in the audience right now and you have any military training, like this is going to really resonate with you. So if you weren't paying attention before, listen up because here it goes. All right. So in ambush, right? Like we always train for an ambush. That's kind of the scariest thing, right? Is, is getting caught in an ambush that we train and train and train and train and train for that, right? What do we do if we get caught in an ambush? So the goal of an ambush for the enemy is they want to surprise you. And when they surprise you with fire, they can separate you from your squad. And once they separate you from your squad, your support network, now they can maneuver on you and overwhelm you with fire and kill you. And that's the goal, right? So PTSD does the very same thing, right? It, it has the exact same tactics. So when we have an anxiety attack or a panic attack or an overreaction to something, that causes us to separate away from our friends and our family because we're embarrassed. We don't want it to happen again. We feel shame. So we distance ourselves away from our support network, our friends and family, our squad. Now, now that we're separated, that isolation causes our thoughts to ruminate and we begin to have uh, more, more anxiety, more depression, more um, of these intrusive thoughts that are coming in and they're overwhelming us to the point of suicide. And so the, the PTSD operates just like an enemy on the battlefield. It wants to surprise you, separate you from your squad, overwhelm you with all these negative thoughts, feelings, and emotions to the point where it kills you. And so I tell guys, like, if you are in a firefight and you get ambushed, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to return fire, right? Mm. On the enemy. And the second thing you're going to do is you're going to call for backup and say, hey, I'm, I'm in contact with the enemy. I need some air on station immediately. And so that's what we would do on the battlefield. So how do we take that and what, how can we repurpose that battle tactic uh, for civilian life dealing with trauma? Well, number one is we have to return fire. So returning fire is speaking truth to the situation. When we feel anxiety, we feel overwhelmed, we feel depressed, we have to consciously take back control of our mind and uh, rehearse these positive affirmations in our life. You know, remind ourselves like, nope, I'm not in Iraq. I'm in America. I'm safe. I'm with friends and family that love me. That was just a car backfiring. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to take a couple seconds. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to gather my thoughts and then I'm going to go back in there and hang out with my friends. It's speaking that truth. That's returning fire. And the second thing that you do is that you uh, call for backup. So how do you do that? 
Well, you tell your friends what you're dealing with, man. You say, hey, look, that car backfired. I'm feeling some anxiety. I'm going to do some breathing techniques. Uh, will you come with me and just do these techniques real quick? You know, it's being able to be vulnerable and tell people like, hey, I'm struggling. And I tell guys like, look, if you were in contact, you would have no problem getting on that hook and saying, hey, man, I need backup. So don't be embarrassed about calling your friends and tell them you're dealing with anxiety or depression or whatever that mental health condition is, because we didn't fight the war alone, right? We had a squad. So don't fight mental health alone either. Absolutely. And, and that's a, gr- what a great analogy. I really, I really love that one, man. That, that, thank you so much for sharing it. And then a lot, I know that a lot of our audience is going to really, uh, connect, connect with that analogy. You know, what happened on the battlefield there, the, um, you know, the, uh, the ambush and then, and, and the same, same with the mental health. And, and when you were talking about, uh, you know, fighting back and doing these things before as part of your story, um, you mentioned that, you know, you were doing a lot of that journaling and then you, and then you found your faith. You know, and then you found that there was things that were really uh, for you um, that resonated in learning both. And then I'm, I'm sort of read, reading between the lines here is that you know, then you set up your business, right? And fighting back is going well. How am I gonna? How am I gonna take these things? And this is over a long term period of time. This is like 10 years, man. Like, so having, right. so having said that story, so whoever's in our audience there is, you know, looking for the magical bullet that's going to happen in two days time. I've started doing this. It, do- <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight, <laughs> but it seems like it's a constant work there of re-engaging with those that, that are important to you. However, that might look like asking for help, asking for your squad there, and then working towards all these little things that are fighting back. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to set up a a business and we'll talk about that and how you you've grown that now to uh, the Q missions, uh, you know, and, and then, and what you're doing with, with uh, the, the other, cl- the cleaning as well. So the cleaning and the missions, or is that being cut away? Oh, we could talk about that anyway. Um, and sharing that. So, if we backtrack a tiny bit, because I think this builds on the story of what you you share in your book and and and, and all these uh, great tools that you're using, Q. Um, you know, you started a business there, uh, out of the weeds, coming out of the weeds, being homeless in the car. You know, how, how, what was that like? You know, was that a scary moment? Going, well, I'm trying to work on myself now. How do I take take this and grab it by the balls and and, and get my own power back? Yeah, it was really difficult. I, I had um, I applied for a few different jobs. Uh, one was a corrections officer uh, in the prison, and then another one was uh, working for um, the postal service. You know, yeah. the mail carriers. Yeah. And I, I got both the jobs, and they they offered them to me uh, at the same time I was starting my business. And it was really difficult for me because I'm like, I could go with this guaranteed paycheck mm-hmm. where uh, it'd be easy. Um, but I knew that God wanted something different for my life, and if I pigeonholed myself into one of those jobs, I wouldn't have the freedom and flexibility that I would need. And so I decided to go for it on my own and and do this business. Um, and I'm telling you, there were days where I'd be dealing with so much anxiety that I would have to crawl under my desk and fall asleep. And if I could fall asleep, I could reset my brain and the anxiety would stop. But that's the only thing that would do it. Medication didn't help. Nothing helped. In the beginning, that's what I had to do to be able to stop the anxiety from, from happening. Yeah. Now, I've learned some skills and I've learned some other things that can help me rewire my brain. And that's one of the really cool things yeah. uh, is being able to rewire your brain. 
And how I learned about that was I went with my church down to Mexico and I built a home for a homeless family. And remember, I've been homeless twice. So I definitely didn't want to do anything with the homeless community. Uh, It would just cause me more anxiety and I would feel anxious about it. And I just didn't want to do it. Right. So I, I, I wouldn't. But God kept knocking on the door of my heart, wanting me to go. And when I went for the first time and I helped that homeless family, something changed in my heart. I felt joy and happiness for the first time in as long as I could remember. And when I came back, I told my pastor, I want to go do more of this. How do I go do more of this? They said, well, we only do it one time a year. I said, well, that's not enough for me. I need more. And so they connected me with these other organizations. And I began to uh, travel around the world, building churches, schools, orphanages, digging wells, doing feeding programs. And the whole time I would feel amazing because remember, I'm journaling, right? And I felt the best when I was out there on point, on mission, helping other people. I'd come home and I'd kind of start to crash in. And I can't just spend my whole life overseas, right? I can only do that two or three times a year. So I started volunteering at my church, volunteering with the Salvation Army, helping the homeless, doing all these things. And it helped me really stabilize uh, my life. And that's where I came up with the concept of healing through service. I started reading about... um, you know, these medical journals about how the brain operates. And there's a bunch of studies out there, but there's a really cool one that um, it's the conclusion basically is that altruism increases your mental health. And so you can look this up. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. If you are giving social support, mm-hmm. you have a, um, you have an increased mental health. Uh, mental awareness and and mental wellness increases. So they did this study where they had uh, a group of students receiving help from homework and then another group of students giving help for the homework. And what they saw, uh, they did these saliva swabs and they could test the chemicals in the brains. And they saw that the group that was giving the social support was having an increased amount of serotonin levels and other chemicals that would increase their mental health and their mental wellness. And so I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I've been doing and this is why it works. And so it was really awesome how God just led me down that path. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's and Jesus says that. He says it's better to give than to receive, right? And there's all kinds of scripture out there that tells us this very same thing. And now I can take the science and quantify this. Like, oh wow, this isn't just hyperbole. This isn't just a cool story. Like there's actual factual knowledge here. And and I made that just part of my life, that when I go out and I help others, it increases my mental health. So now when I feel depressed, when I feel anxious, I'm like, all right, I got to go find somebody to help. And so typically I'll go on social media and I'll see somebody who needs my help or needs help from somebody doing something. And I'll just go out there and I'll volunteer my time and help them. And by the time I get done, man, I feel great. And so anybody out there, if you want that quick fix, start helping people. I know it seems counterintuitive, right? Like, well, I need the help. I'm dealing with anxiety and depression and mental health and a job and housing. And I've got all these problems. You're right. Those problems are always going to be there, bro. Don't worry about that. Focus on helping other people and you're going to see an increased mental wellness in your own life. And it's also going to help you become more successful. So in my business, I don't just clean people's buildings, right? I don't look at it like that. I look at it as I'm trying to help them solve problems. I'm trying to help them be successful by making sure their building is as clean as possible for their customers. And and that's the mindset I go into with everything that I do is I'm not going to do something so I can get something. I'm going in just purely to help that other person 
And when I do that, intrinsically, I receive more mental health or mental wellness uh, in my life. And so these, these are quantifiable results. You guys can Google this stuff. Um, and I cite all of these research studies in my book. And that's really the key right there is, is getting outside of yourself, helping other people. It increases your own mental health, your own mental wellness. Isn't that funny? And that's that's such a, a great insight there, Q, that you've just shared with us. Um, and, and, you know, in, in, especially in your book, um, with with how helping and volunteering your time actually does help people. When you think at, at first, I'm like, why am I going to do this? You know, <laughs> how's that going to help me? But it, by by through that that act of of giving or volunteering your time to be able to to um, help, I think also. It helps you repurpose your skills that you've had in the military to be able to go, okay, this is what, you know, this is what I know about. Uh, and then, and then you go, okay, this is what I experienced. And if someone by helping and giving when, when, when you, when you receive that joy of seeing that someone's been helped out, you know, that, that is, is an amazing thing for your own mental health and, and how you could go forward. So it, it, for, it sounds like it that, you know, the, the last 10 years was all a bit of a precursor of what you've been doing with Q missions and your business with the cleaning um, and, and, and doing it and journaling to, to write healing through service. You know, um, was there an idea that you wanted to write a book? Back then, or like, no, how did no, that come? Ab- absolutely not. I everything that God has called me to do, I've done very begrudgingly. I just got to be honest with you. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm gonna write a book and help all these people. I'm like, no, nah, man, that looks like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of work. But I realized very quickly. So I take guys. Um, they come through my program, and so I do it once a year, yeah. uh, where I take a group of uh, between twenty and forty guys, and we'll go down to Mexico, and in two days we will build a home for a homeless family which is right where I got started, right? Helping the homeless. And I teach them these skills. I was lecturing on this stuff, teaching them how to do these things Mm -hmm. so they could unpack these concepts. And then we go right out into the field and we do it right away. Yep. And so when I wrote the book, it was because God was telling me that I needed to reach more people, that only so many people can come through my program per year uh, because I'm limited by funding. And so uh, I needed to write this book because now I can reach anybody. So when I wrote the book, I designed it as like a small group study that a church could use because when people are struggling and they need help, they go to the church, whether they're a Christian or not. uh, At some point, people try to find their faith as a way to to overcome whatever problem they're dealing with. And before this, the, there wasn't a lot of tools out there for pastors to be able to use to help guys like me who were coming in. And so when I wrote the book, I wrote it with the church in mind. And so every chapter, we go through these five different points. One point is going to be uh, introducing the concept. Then the second point is going to be uh, what what um, what does science say about it? And then what does scripture say? And then we take that concept and we create a practical application for what we just learned. Oh, yes. And then the fifth part is like a conclusion. And so Guys can go through this six-week, six-week-long course yeah. uh, with another group of guys because, remember, the squad uh, mm-hmm. is is very important. And the reason I designed it to be as a small group as a squad is because the Department of the Army, they did a 40-year-long study to determine why the U.S. military was so formidable on the battlefield. And they narrowed it down to one element, the squad. Because we fight in squads, these small units were more effective because every member of the squad values the squad over themselves, and they fight harder and longer to stay alive because they don't want to let the squad down. 
And the other side of that is that every member of that squad knows that if they get injured or pinned down, that the rest of the squad is going to walk through hell to come and get them out because we're never going to leave a man behind. So I reintroduced that concept back into the individual's life as being a successful component to surviving trauma and overcoming mental health. And so it works perfectly within the church or within veterans groups where they're already coming together as a team. And now they can go through this curriculum together. And at the end of the book, we challenge them to go out and do some sort of community service. And so they get to experience that, that boost of mental health yeah. uh, when they go out as a team and work together uh, to, to, you know, better their communities. So when they do that and, you know, they're, built, they're building their rapport between their squad you know, learning, learning each, learning off each other, and, and learning these tools and, and vital skills to be able to repurpose um, uh, what they're doing for for their mental health. And they go out. Do you, you know, do you put that on them to be able to go out? What is it that you want to do as part of your civic volunteering to to help out someone? You know, what's what's the story behind that last part? Right. So. So there's uh, the book and then there's a video series that goes with it. So guys can, can get the book and then they can log in and they get these lectures that I do uh, every week. And so by week four uh, of the six weeks, we introduced this idea like, okay, you guys need to be thinking about what do you want to go do, right? Like where does your heart, you go and work with kids, your church, like wherever you want to, to do that. And, or guys can sign up to go on mission with me. So on the West coast, we have Q missions and everybody on the West side of the U S we take them down to Mexico and we build a home for a homeless family. Now, just a couple months ago, um, I, I had some green berets go through my program last year and they contacted me. They had, they had gotten connected with a couple churches and they wanted me to come out to North Carolina, which is on the East side of the U S um, and start a whole nother division over there doing exactly what I'm doing on the West coast. I said, I can't do that. I don't have the time or capacity, but let me train you guys up and you guys start it. And so we have a East coast division now where they've partnered with churches. They're utilizing the curriculum so that way they can help people um, on the East coast. And then from there, they go down to the Dominican Republic and they build homes. So there's a couple opportunities. So if people go through this program and they see value in it, we've created a way for them to be able to go with us on mission, either to Mexico or the Dominican Republic. And so I'm going to start running civilian trips probably later this year. Uh, We'll see, because I'm teaching this now kind of all over the country and civilians are going through it as well. And they want that same opportunity. So my wife and I talked about you know, creating a trip for people who've gone through the curriculum, who want to now come on the trip uh, and experience this for themselves. So I was just talking this afternoon with a pastor, a guest pastor came to our church uh, this weekend, and he wanted me to come down to his church in Sacramento and teach this uh, and and be able to, to, to teach this curriculum uh, and then have his guys go through it and help them start a missions program based on the curriculum that I'm teaching. So it's just kind of growing exponentially. You know, there's such a need for this out there and it, people love it because it works, you know, I mean, and they get to they get to see the tangible results from day one because we give them things to go do tasks to go do yeah. uh it's the karate kid is that a movie you guys are familiar <laughs> yeah, with yeah, yeah i love the karate okay. kid yeah. okay great great so mr miyagi right it was fundamental when i grew up mr miyagi and so i really just mr miyagi people through the process right they're just painting the fence i'm giving them these small tasks to do uh and they do them not really understanding why 
But then, you know, after three to four chapters, they get into the book and we start putting these concepts together and they're like, oh, yeah, now I I give them the secret of like, okay, this is why you were doing that. And they're like, oh my gosh, that works because they've been doing it. If I was just going to tell them like, hey, go do this, it works. Mm -hmm. They'd probably be like, nah, it can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. They've already been doing it. (laughs) Back the floor. (laughs) Danielson, you not learn anything. You show me. Paint the fence. (laughs) (laughs) Show me. Back the floor. (laughs) Oh, I know karate now. (laughs) Join us next time for part three of Andy's chat with Aaron Kinyanez. Don't forget to subscribe. And for more great content, follow us on our socials on Instagram Instagram and and Facebook. You can also visit our website, www.invisibleinjuries.org.au, where you can access more content, services database, and follow our 12-month PTSD National Awareness Tour. Thanks for listening to Invisible Injuries. This has been a 23 Media Production.